You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to Vox and Hops, episode number 19. How are you all doing today? I hope you had an excellent week. I had a good week. And uh, my beer of the week, Matt's beer of the week, from February 1st till February 8th, was a la fuse boulette funky, which is a saison sour, which has been aged for 12 months in oak barrels. And I got to tell you a story about this beer. I bought it this past weekend. I went for a walk. I went and picked it up at the market, which has a nice little beer shop, bottle shop. I pick it up. I put it in my backpack after doing a jam because I'm going to be a part of this uh, <laughs> Pantera cover thing. I'm doing a slaughtered with them. Uh, and uh, I stopped up at this bottle shop i put it in my backpack i start walking home i get home and i'm to open up this beer and i'm standing in my kitchen luckily because there's no carpet in that area and i pop this bottle which has like a real cork in it and uh it starts to like foam like crazy coming out so i go to drink all this beer that i'm losing and it just shoots out like a crazy like six inches up in the air all over my face and my daughter's in the kitchen with me and she's laughing and she can't believe this is happening so i lost about half of it but but what i did taste of it i'm, I'm rather disappointed that i lost so much because it was just such an absolutely delicious beer. The uh, Boulette Funky, which is uh, the Saison, which is a sour that has been aged for 12 months in an oak barrel, was an extremely well-rounded beer. Uh, the You can absolutely taste the oak. Uh, it had uh, a lot of character. It, it tasted like an extremely mature beer. Uh, very well-rounded, very balanced, as I said. It, is, it was a, just a really, really enjoyable beer, and it's such a shame. I should have just let, let it in the fridge upon reflection to let it rest after I walked home with it in my school bag, but um, I'll have to buy it again and drink more of it. So today on the podcast, I uh, have a fellow vocalist whom uh, I will be on tour with shortly in the States, uh, the mighty singer of Aborted, Sven Zvencho. He is a, an excellent vocalist. I've known him for a very long time. I met him back in 2008 on Summer Slaughter, which was my first U.S. tour. We toured uh, Eastern Europe together thereafter with Cryptopsy and Aborted. And uh, in November, I had the pleasure of doing Hell Over Europe tour alongside him, which is where this episode was recorded. And uh, I sort of like held him hostage before his sound check. So uh, this episode is a little bit shorter than my other Vox and Hops episodes, but he had to go do his sound check. So I, I couldn't keep him for too long. So uh, check that all out. Here it is. Vox and Hops episode number 19 with Sven from Aborted. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm here with Sven De Kalle. De Kalle, but it's Kalle. You know, number nineteen, <laughs> always good number. Vox and Hops number nineteen. We're yeah. backstage in Eindhoven, last date of the Hell Over Europe Part Two. Tell me about this tour. How have you been feeling? Your thoughts, emotions about it? It's been great. It's been a great tour. It's been great bands. Good package. It's solid turnouts. You know, it's, it's been great. I've gotten sick a few times. I, you know, just like you managed to sprain my ankle, <laughs> fucked up my back. So, you know, old man ails, but, you know, it's been a good tour. <laughs> it's been fun um, all around. Uh, the whole 
ambiance of everyone. There's no egos. Uh, you no. say it on stage all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a like a family. The team, as Grimos, as uh, the yeah. Cytotoxin yeah. likes to state, uh, everything's for the team. Everyone's mm-hmm. there at the load ins, load outs. There's no egos. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving mm-hmm. it. My best best European tour by far. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was you know when I put the package together, it was sort of the. The main idea, because we've done tours where things are very different, and I'm sure so have you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, to me, it was like, if we're going to spend that much time together, and it's our headliner, we might as well, you know, have fun and, uh, you know, have the right people on the tour. Not only have great bands, but also have people that we know we can have, you know, a good time with and not have every day be a bunch of drama of princess wants this or that or whatever the fuck you know, you know what i mean the crazy uh, julian mentioned that you guys had never toured together we did very briefly in 2008 but only in france and then they were supposed to be on the first hell over europe and they had two band members that kind of ruined that for them so finally <laughs> <laughs> here we are here we are how yeah. could you rate uh, hell over europe part one versus part two what would uh, be your two is way better I mean, the lineup was stronger, I think. I think us as well, we've grown quite a bit as a band. Not, you know, I'm I'm not meaning size-wise, but just within the band and just on stage and, you know, the whole show and everything has evolved a lot in the last couple of years. Uh, But also the draw, it was a lot better. I mean, it wasn't a bad tour at all, you know, the first one. Uh, But we definitely didn't do like, uh, I don't know, 80% sellouts, so... That's pretty crazy. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah, pretty crazy. And, I mean, and by sellouts, let's be honest, it's still four or 500 people a day. Yeah. And in most yeah. cases, and then, is really good because if you still look at all the bands, they're, they're different. Everyone's different in their own way, but it's all very, very extreme metal. Mm-hmm. How, how long does it take you to come up with packages like this? Uh, or was it just one of these things that it just all worked out right away? I mean, I've been talking to Julien about doing this for a while, so I knew. And then we became good friends with Cytotoxin a couple of years back. And when they put out their uh, last record, Gamageddon, I did some guest vocals on that too. And I was like, okay, they're, they're getting some hype. And with the first Hell Over Europe tour, the opening band was someone that uh, the label pushed on us and said that they were worth tickets, but no one have ever, ever heard of them. So it was sort of a waste. So I wanted to make sure that the, you know, the opener is actually worth something also for people because it, it's a shame when you have packages as one of or two good bands and then the rest is just buy on stuff or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, people want to see a good show, not go and see a band mm-hmm. it's an event this yeah it's an event so people show up mm-hmm. at doors because they want to see all the bands it's exactly a, and that's exactly what's been happening here i mean cytotoxin never played in front of nobody it's true it's true so it's been pretty solid throughout the whole night you know uh, especially with some shows starting at six thirty, people have to work so yeah i think yeah, that's yeah. a very good sign let's talk about uh, your stage production Okay. <laughs> the Halloween box of horror? <laughs> yeah. How, how did this all come about? Um, throughout the years, you've evolved a lot. Last time I toured with you, we were yeah. in uh, Eastern Europe, so it's like almost impossible to bring yeah. a whole stage production, but I don't, don't even think you really had much at that point. We did. We did. We, we had, you know, the regular scrim backdropping. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was only shortly after that that we started... 
uh, investing in some lights, minimalistic, and we've just been adding as we go along. And I think for this tour, we have, I think we invested close to 10,000 euros in stage production. Wow. Because okay. we got our own mixing desk, we have a lighting desk, all the cable bullshit that comes with it, a whole bunch of lights. Uh, we made the ego risers, we added some extra fog machines, we got the bag drops, the skeletons we had from the previous album. And then we got the, you know, the decapitated fucking monster heads on there, and the extra scrims. So what, what, what I mainly wanted to do is have a modular setup, which means in a minimal setup, it'll still look cool. <laughs> and then depending on the size of the, of the venue or the stage, we can add or remove stuff. Which is super brilliant and exactly what it should be. Thank you. <laughs> it's a very smart way of planning it. Um, let's talk about um, beer, because okay. it's Vox and Hops. Sure. Now, now I know Sven, Sven is from Belgium, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't necessarily enjoy beer. Yeah, I'm weird. Let's talk about that. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like your regular beer. I like the more fruity kind of shit, but like IPAs and all that stuff is really not my thing. It's too hoppy for me. What about just like the classic Belgian? Oh, no, that's fine. Okay, yeah, pale okay. ales and all that stuff is fine. I I like it, but it's not like my favorite thing to drink because I also don't drink that much. So when I drink, I usually go for cocktails or just whiskey or whatever. That being said, we're drinking cider today on Vox yes. Hops. An exception for Sven. We're drinking a Bulmer's <laughs> a cider of Hereford. <laughs> it's from uh, the UK, yeah. so, uh, which is where we're heading tomorrow. Yeah, so place it's a little of old ciders. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's a little premonition. We'll see what's going on. Oh, it's good. It's not too sweet. Mm-hmm. It's um, still a little at the end, a bit sweet, but not not overly candy sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good when it's too sweet, when you feel you're just drinking sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't like that. No, it's, I mean, it, it still has a... You, know, you could taste it's, it's a beer, basically, yeah, sort yeah. of, but, it, you know... It'll get the job done. Yes. <laughs> Usually, the ciders get you pretty drunk, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your first experience with alcohol? <laughs> yeah. First time I got drunk was actually even with my parents. Um, I was 15. And I had about 10 beers. Wow. And I spent all night puking. <laughs> it was great. I was never going to drink again until the next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then it started to you handled it a little better. A little, you know, a little. I mean, I, my, my drinking days are, you know, far behind me usually. The alter ego Biff comes out once or twice a tour. That's about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we try to be a little bit more calm, but sometimes... <laughs> The late night devils get us. Yeah, I can't do it because uh, we we do the hour sets every night, and if I get fucked up every night, there's you know I'm I'm still here for the show first. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I try to you know control it, unleash the beast now and then. Especially with no days off on this. Run. Yes. How do you feel about that? Was that? Um uh, we've always done no days off, and. Um, it's it's kind of double-edged because I think from now on we do want some days off because it's still very taxing. But on the other hand, when you had a day off, the next day you just feel like drained garbage because mm-hmm. you, you let your body go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pros and cons, I guess. <laughs> Tell me about uh, when you started listening to metal. Oh, yeah. About 15 years old, I guess. Yeah. 
coincided with alcohol by you know really yeah i guess it was meant to be <laughs> <laughs> i just touched the beer for the first time i was like yeah noise <laughs> <laughs> and what 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 bands would be bands that really got you into it Back in the day, I mean, I don't know if it's metal, but it started all with like Alice in Chains and shit like that, Body Counts, Pantera. Then it immediately, for some reason, went to Napalm Death, Deicide, Carcass, that kind of shit, Entombed. Just immediately drawn into the, the more extreme. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suffocation and even, you know, Cryptopsy. So when I heard Blasphemy Made Flesh for the first time, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Because it was the, f- together I think with Brutal Tooth, that was pretty much the fastest, most extreme shit that was around back then. Were you immediately drawn to extreme vocals? Did you always want to be a vocalist or did you want to be... Uh, I think so. I think so. I mean, that's really what I started with because I realized I have no talent, so I got to do something, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like J.K. Hansen once said, you know, it's death metal, no talent required. <laughs> but I mean, all kidding aside, uh, yes, I did play drums for about 10 years. I played drums in a band called Link Chase, so there was that. But when I moved to Israel, uh, I didn't have my gear and didn't have my band anymore, so it kind of stopped. You were still on the board when yeah, yeah, you moved yeah, to yeah, Israel. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but you know, I, drumming is something you need to practice a lot more. Yeah. And I was not a... You know, I was no fucking Ken or Flo or whatever. I was just a dude playing in a grindcore band, so... For me, it was more, all right, cool. <laughs> I'll get back to it sometime, but it just never happened. So how did you develop your, your screaming voice? I think like anyone, you know, back in the day, uh, just screaming along to records you like. And I always, I always try to, you know, get my own sound. I know there's a lot of people that try to sound like other people. That's why there's a lot of people that sound like other people, but... Even if, you know, there's certain vocal types or vocalists that inspire me, I'll still try to make my own thing of it. Because to me, it's very, it's, it's a big part of a, a band's identity to me is the vocals. And if you have vocals that don't sound like anyone else, um, you're going to have people that hate it, but, or you're going to have people that love it. The, the worst thing is just to be in a sea of, you know, mediocrity and mm-hmm. I feel not that. have any identity. I, I really do find that your voice is very, you can like hear it on a CD and you know it's you, which Thanks. is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You got this like weird sort of pipe. <laughs> sound yeah and it's been solid the whole tour so uh what do you, what do you do to stay in shape vocally on tour nothing <laughs> <laughs> I, well it, that's a lie but uh, really it's uh hydrating and sleeping mm-hmm. to me that's the most important if i don't sleep enough if i don't drink enough uh, it's it's not gonna be good it depends. Like I, I really notice. Like for example, when we do those, you've done them too. The Australian, New Zealand tours, where you have to fly every day and you barely sleep. That's where you can tell after a week or whatever it starts going down. Or when you get sick, there's really not much you can do. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's a problem as a singer when you get sick. Well, it's going to be this tonight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what we live with. Because we're not going to not perform, right? Yeah. 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 I mean. And most of the time, I guess, hopefully most people don't know this because you you still give the best you can of you. 
And it's when you're insecure and start apologizing for it that people will notice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't do that and just do your job and you'll be fine most likely. Be a pro. Yeah. And warming up. I warm up way less than you because I feel very self-conscious about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to do vocals in front of people. It's still, after all these years, really weird to me. So... (laughs) On sta- Kudos on, for you. On stage is fine. Yeah, but I don't know if you've noticed, I don't have any parts without music. Oh, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. And part of that is because I feel very insecure about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all your vocals are all exhaled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the highs and stuff. I'm really enjoying your, your new textures on the highs on the new album. Yeah. I feel like you've pulled out some, like a different voice. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about um, in the studio how you play with making up new voices funny enough that came about when uh <laughs> i was just uh in my car driving to work listening to cattle decapitation and i was like well i wonder how the fuck he does it so i, I just was like messing around with my vocals and you know in in the car and uh which is where i practice because i don't want to kill my neighbors and obviously it doesn't sound like travis but i, I kind of developed this sort of thing where I, I call it the shitty voice okay because when you you hear it by itself it's absolutely ridiculous sounding but if you throw some verb on it and no no there's i don't think there's even no? much verb no it's just it blends in for some reason and is it a, like a different approach with your it's tongue a, or with uh delivery? Yes, it's with the tongue uh i'd say and it's probably the easiest thing to do too really because I push a lot, I put a lot, I project a lot of energy, and with this thing, it's just it takes almost zero effort, which is why there's some ridiculously long screams mm-hmm. on the album now. Because I was like, "All right," it, it was funny because I I was just trying it out uh, with my buddy Lander, who has a studio where we do all the pre-productions, and uh, he's a big black metal fan and shit. And I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna try the shitty voice," and we just did it a couple times and. I can sort of add notes in there too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was a fun experiment. Actually, the last time I was there, there was this band that I did vocals for that completely sounded like a Pestilence ripoff. So I was like, all right, I'm going to fucking put Pestilence vocals on there. And actually, it really sounds like it. So <laughs> I guess I got something for the next uh, album to there you go, try no. around and mess around with. So most of the shit is either as a joke or a pure accident. <laughs> There is a lot of humor based in, because being toured with you, you guys all have like a great sense of humor and there's a lot of humor that you bring on stage, like I mean, between your speeches, Mm -hmm. you're not like a tough guy, death metal act. (laughs) As as we're sitting here, he's sitting wearing a Christmas (laughs) sweater with jingles on it. And a cat. And a cat. And it says, <laughs> have a meowy Xmas. Yeah. So, so talk to me about that, how you like to bring humor into metal. To me, death metal has always been a musical style where you can just be yourself. It's not been like when, when you know, we, we started in 95, whatever, out of necessity for me, because uh, that time was when, you know, Immortal Emperor, you know, all those bands, like all the black metal things started getting really popular. You'd go to shows and, you know, it was a dead atmosphere. You know, good bands, good music, but it was just, to, to me, it was boring. Something was missing. There was no fun. There were a lot of stupid, racist assholes, apparently, and... There was just a very negative vibe the whole time, which I 
guess when you're playing negative music somewhat that can be there but to me it's not like that i mean death metal is very aggressive music but it's also an outlet for the anger you have and to me that's a positive thing i'm, I'm letting my frustrations go i'm not keeping them in and every band can be whoever the fuck they want you know fans dressed whatever way they want they want to dress like fucking 90s cargo pants nobody gives a shit you know do whatever you want and to me that was always the the essence of the music so i wanted that to always um be very apparent in everything we do we're a bunch of fucking nerds we like horror movies we play video games so we have shirts based on video games and horror movies We have a shitty sense of humor, so that's what it's gonna be. The band you see on stage, besides obviously and the aggression, is exactly the same kind of fucking silly nerds that you have at home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I, I find it, it's interesting that, that you mentioned that you're the nerds and the the video games and the horror movies. You guys like really hit like this perfect, perfect. I don't know if it's just the timing of it all, like you know, with Stranger Things coming out and the '80s retro hitting, mm -hmm. and then you guys put out retro gore. It was just so like right on the pulse. I don't know how calculated that was, or was it just hap happenstance? Not at all, because we we've been doing the '80s inspired artwork since. Since we found the right artist for it, and that was back in 2010. Yeah, so yeah. that was way before the wave of 80s games. So did we profit from that? Probably. You know, all of a sudden, everybody wants to jump on the 80s wagon. But to me, it's always been... I grew up in the 80s. Those were the movies, you know. It's nostalgia for me, and it's sort of um, a trip for me to be able to, with every album or every merge design, to come up with all this... Silly bullshit. I'm like a kid in a candy store and be like, all right, I'm going to do this stupid thing and see if it works. And to me, it's more about that than, you know, knowing that it's going to hit X sales or marketing or whatever. It's really a kid having fun. Just just pleasing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, you design shirts and do design work when you're yep. not on tour. Yep. Uh, you design stuff for Cryptopsy. Yeah. Um, do you, how much do you design for Aborted or do you outsource? Because you mentioned um, you found a guy. Well, usually m most of the shirts, uh, I come up with the concepts and I brief uh, several artists. On this tour, I did one shirt, the black and white one. Sold out. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> There's not any more? No. I'll get you one. <laughs> yeah, but I did that one. And um, just all the concepts as well with all the artworks and... Um, for example, the album, uh, the album art, we had a cooperation between Pearl Olsen and the guy that does our t-shirts. And then I just toss everything together, do all the layouts, come up with all the composition and all that shit. Same with the stage setup. I thought everything out, designed everything, made a 3D model of how the stage is going to look like and... Really? It's kind of... Yeah, and, you know, with, with the limited editions and everything, the thing I'm trying to do is not just selling a piece of plastic with music on to me it's i'm i'm trying to bring people a concept mm -hmm. it's from nice. the stage to the music to the videos to the artwork to the merch to everything so and the lighting is great too yeah the, the colors all match the the album art and everything yeah i love the album artwork um i like uh, the, the the back back end thing it sort of reminds me of that thing that was going on a few years ago the 
3D dog vision weird thing that <laughs> the, the dream exactly Google dream whatever yes, deep, yes, deep yes. dreaming whatever that, that sort of reminds yeah. me of that a little bit yeah, yeah actually now you mention it maybe <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the best piece of advice that you received when you were coming up in the scene I think it was from Peter from Vader oddly enough uh, on our first tour, I was stressing out like crazy because, like, you know, any vocalist that's just done weekends or a show and all of a sudden you have to do 20, 30 dates, you really start freaking out that you're going to lose your voice and it's not going to be good. And every day is like a nervous battle of, fuck, is this going to work? Where he just said, like, you know, try to have fun. Don't think about it. And if it goes, it comes back again. There's going to be some days where you... you you know it's gone for a bit and then it just comes back and it stays and that's been true and i think that's good advice for any singer because there's nothing worse for your voice too than no sleep and stressing out yeah yeah the stress will get you more than anything yeah, yeah. the more you stress out about it you know it it's gonna happen if you stress out about it so and then you spend the whole day like clearing your throat and yeah like, and making it worse exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah so really and i think the best advice i can give to any musician is don't forget why you're doing this and have fun mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what level you are have fun if shit goes wrong on tour any day there's shit that breaks down there's stages that are too small or too hot and monitors suck or there's a million and one circumstances that could ruin your day in the end don't forget why the fuck you're there it's because you like music and to have fun the moment you stop having fun you're not in the right place anymore that's a very wise words yeah what would be your absolute worst horror tour story Hmm. Like in what way? Something that made it is just the worst day of your your touring life. It could be funny. It could be. But it was. I don't. You know, a lot of. To me, the worst experiences are when you're on tour with people you can't stand, and you have to stand them for X several weeks. More days, yeah. Even when you try to make it work, but you're just like, I am never gonna like this person. So you just stay away and do your own thing. And I think one of the worst experiences for me really was when um, we did one of our best tours, but there was a lot of drama for me back home, which made it, you know, every day a struggle to, you know, be able to enjoy things because every day I was getting a lot of crap from the home front. And uh, I think that goes for for also every touring musician. You know, when when shit's tough at home or you have some bullshit that's beyond your control that you can't do anything about, it's it's hard not to, you know, sink in the sinkhole. Yeah, yeah, and then the depression can get, come get you really quick. Yeah. And then you end up dragging down everyone else around you. Yeah. Yeah, especially being in the, the driver's seat like you are in a band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We we have some stuff in common, um, shitty subjects, but let's talk about them. Okay. Um, Cryptopsy has had many member changes. <laughs> Aborted has had many member changes. Yeah. We had the Unspoken King. You had Strict Nine. Funny enough, same year, right? Yes, yes. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. How how have you handled and you know kept your head level? focus to keep the band going throughout all these changes well to be honest um 
I fired everybody. <laughs> it go. was it was a very bad time for the band. There was a, just a, a really um, it was a va- very bad vibe in the band. I've always tried to have an artistic vision and even musically steer the band in a certain direction that I felt the band should go to, and that lineup thought that they should not listen and take the band to a different place musically because they thought they were going to be the next big big thing. Obviously, that didn't work out. And I was like, well, that's what happens. And there was some drugs involved and all that, and, and that's something that I, I will never, ever support in my life. I fucking hate drugs. It ruins everything. So, yeah, I some people quit. And I got rid of the rest because it was just a very negative, bad place to be there. There was no salvaging. I was at the point to actually give up the band, but then, you know, Dirk, uh, you know Dirk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit me up. He's like, dude, it's your baby. You can, don't give up on this. Just. He plays uh, for a little band called Megadeth now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a little local band. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, Dirk's always been there. Dirk is one of the most level-headed, nicest people in the whole business. You know him because you're both from Belgium, is that why? Uh, he did drums on Gormageddon. Yes, yeah. So we used to play together with his old band Scarve a lot, and we just became friends. I did vocals on some of his projects. And uh, he's yeah, he, he's the one that motivated me. He was like, dude, you know what? Fuck it. I'll play drums on the next release. I'll do it for free. You know, let let's take this band back where it should be. And Daddy P, because it, it, you know, it didn't come out too long after Strickening, like a year and a half later. And we didn't do anything as, after Strickening because I, I had to completely rebuild the band out of nowhere. And of course, the EP, which I think it was a good idea. We did an EP first and then an album. Some people were like, oh, they're just uh, trying to crawl back and, and this and that while they're a bunch of whatever. And uh, But it, it just took the EP. And then the next album, since it was, again, you know, showing, you know, what we can, uh, Ken joined by then. Uh, and from then on, it's just been solid and solid. And I think, you know, people forgot. Yeah. There's even people that like Strickening for some fucking reason. Don't don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I get it all the time. At least once or twice a night, he's come up, comes up and goes, I actually like The Unspoken King, but I don't tell my friends. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's a bad record. No, it's I, just not Cryptopsy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it maybe it should have been released under a different name if you guys the want to do something. King. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't think it's a bad record at all. Mm. I think uh, when once you found Ken, things really just started firing up. Yeah, I heard uh, through the grapevine that he actually writes guitar a lot of. The yeah, music he wrote about eighty percent of Terrorvision, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. He's really, really <laughs> way too talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where does all the there's a lot of like black metal elements mm-hmm. coming in on the guitars on the newer records? Yeah, uh, where is that coming from? Ken. Okay, I think it was a sort of natural and sort of conscious thing where we wanted to see where we can take the sound, and it was either you know we can go more grindcore, more brutal, more technical, or we can try to add more vibes, mm-hmm. uh, more more melody, but not in a happy way because. That just doesn't work. Strickening. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we, we I, I guess you automatically sort of fall into the black metal-ish or doom metal kind of territory when you add melody, but it's dark sounding. It's very breathable almost at moments too. Yeah, yeah. It gives like a, a break in the 
for the Chaos. crowd almost too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that actually accentuates you know the heavy parts because you blast the whole time through, or you can just have breakdown after breakdown. It's not going to matter. It's it's that the dynamics that actually make it more aggressive. I think. Exactly. It's like beneath the massacre. I love them, but I have to listen to like two three songs at a time. If not, mm-hmm. my brain just doesn't comprehend what's going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love those guys. Yeah. Um, who do you think is the best up and coming metal vocalist out there now? Up and coming, Bender. Who's Bender? He's a singer for Hollow Prophets and uh, this band um, Shadow of Intent. Okay, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's got some really sick vocals. If you asked me ten years ago, I would have said Phil from Whitechapel but he's not up and coming anymore clearly yeah <laughs> yeah but those guys are really sick I yeah think. What, what is it about his technique that you enjoy he has a lot of range and he goes from he can do a lot of different voices and it's still I mean there's some things that you can tell that he took from different people but it's also still him and uh, he's a young kid, I think, with with a lot of potential. What are your guilty pleasure music vices? <laughs> uh, I like a little bit of everything, honestly. I, I I I think there's just good music and bad music. I don't even believe in genres that much. Uh, except reggae. Reggae is the worst thing on the planet. <laughs> I fucking hate that shit. Flow Flow hates it too. That's why. I goddamn hate that shit. <laughs> so that and R&B. Any fucking, uh, you know, the the whole Destiny's Child, I'm an independent woman, but I still need a man to pay my bills bullshit. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't deal with that just because it's terrible. And I have a big problem with a lot of nowadays is pop music purely because of their lyrics yeah yeah where it just makes me want to get stabbed in the face uh but guilty voices i like a lot of um of the like retro wave kind of shit like perturbator carpenter brute that kind of shit i listen to a lot of that stuff i like some of the more like poppy metalcore too like architects and bring me the horizon because it's it's catchy it's easy to listen to it sounds amazing Yeah. yeah yeah killer production so that's good um i have another one do you gotta go Probably soon. <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up slowly. Uh, he, he's his band is sand checking right now, and I'm I'm uh, have him hostage in the backstage in Eindhoven at the Dynamo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least we know where we are today. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite metal CD right now? Metal album? Right now? That's tough. I listen to a bunch of shit. I really like the new Architects record. It's really cool. Like the new Benighted EP, your new EP is, is really cool. Like I said, like Saracen, I think it's one of the best Cryptopsy songs in a long time for me. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, what else we got out there? New Hate Eternal is also definitely the best thing they've done in a long time. So, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. So, it's hard to pick one. It's a good metal year. It's a very good yeah, metal year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned that you hate pop lyrics. Yeah. How do you write your lyrics? How do you go about that? Uh, there's two ways to go about them. Either I write the dumbest shit I can, and it's usually about poop then. <laughs> we, we have a lot of songs about feces. Because it's, e- it's just easy to write, and I think it's hilarious. And it's a very big contrast with um, 
the seriousness of the music and the image. So uh, I like contrasts. Uh, for this last record, there's a lot of more serious shit, and there's no song about feces. I forgot. I literally forgot because we have one on every record. Uh, so for this, I actually thought of everything that pisses me the fuck off in society and try to incorporate it in some way in this what if it would be the story or the plot of a really shitty 80s b-horror movie <laughs> basically so there's, there's some songs about depression about one of the things i hate the most is fucking instagram bitches i went to see the conjuring there's two fucking girls sitting next to me the entire movie taking selfies during a movie <laughs> posing with the popcorn bucket what the fuck are you doing <laughs> that i i don't a lot of those things i don't get and i think there's a lot of mental health issues it's i don't know why but it's getting so much more and more apparent and i think i'm you know more or less incorporating it by using fancy words to de describe things that annoy me. That, that would be the best way to describe my lyrics. Do you um, write lyrics beforehand, or do you sit down with the music and that's it? I usually make up vocal patterns, and then I'll do pre-production with gibberish and vocal patterns. And then I'll write lyrics, and then I'll redo pre-production with the lyrics. You're a hard worker. This is the first album I actually did this for, because for Retrogore, I literally wrote every ly lyric in under two hours and the evening before recording it. Wow. Add patterns in my mind. Yeah. But no, no stress, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, right? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> whenever it fails, write about feces. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to keep you hostage too long. I appreciate you sitting down with me at Vox no Ops. A Vox and Cider today, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making an exception. <laughs> Cheers. Enjoy your sound check. I really Thanks, appreciate man. it, Ben. Take All care. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. I love you all for doing that, uh, checking it all out, taking it all in. Uh, Sven is such an interesting dude, very smart. Uh, I like his business sense when it comes to organizing uh, a band as a business. I think uh, that's very important in, in this day and age, and it's something that uh, if you want to succeed, you have to make it a business, but he still has a lot of fun while doing it. He still has a lot of uh, creative energy and uh, youthfulness and making it funny uh it's it's he's they're just like really fun dudes to be around the aborted dudes are very creative very funny and uh although he calls them the, the, that he's with a bunch of metal nerds if if they're metal nerds then i guess i am too and uh all you metal bullies can come beat us all up together and we'll kick your ass as a group coming up on vox and hop number 20 next week is uh the last one from my hell over europe 2 series uh i sit down with Lynn the drummer of Ingested. We had a nice little real ale, hand-pumped ale, next to the club, The Rebellion in Manchester. The place was called The Knots. Uh, we had an excellent, it was an excellent pale ale. We had a good chat about, uh, you know, why he relocated to Mallorca versus being in uh, the UK. We had, we discussed uh, the extreme abnormality of the fact that Ingested still contains all of its original members in a death metal band. You know, that is extremely rare nowadays so uh check 
that all out next week on Vox and Hops episode number 20. As always, if you want to become a sponsor, if you want to shoot me any requests, if you want to tell me who I should invite, who I should interview, uh, hit me up an email at matt at voxandhops.com. I'm going to put in the description a link to all of the tickets. If you want to buy tickets for Hell Over North America, the Blast Beat Party, which is the tour that is coming out for Cryptopsy in the U.S. with a limited amount of Eastern Canadian dates. Um, the, the lineup is Aborted, Cryptopsy, Benighted, Hideous Divinity. Uh, so I'm going to put that in the description. You can check out all the ticket links. And if you uh, you should get tickets early because uh, the sucker is going to sell out and it's going to be a sick, sick tour just as it was in Europe. And now we're bringing it over to the States and a little bit of Canada. So have yourselves a great week. I'll see you next week on Vox and Hops episode number 20. Cheers. <laughs> Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.